0: you doing? How you feeling? How you living? Thanks for joining me today. It's your girl Akua, your host for Dem Coins Podcast, where we discuss different holistic strategies for millennials of faith who are pursuing financial freedom. And in today's episode, I'm going to talk about the importance of money stories and how we can use them as fuel on this journey. Enjoy! listen y'all i'm gonna say it again mindset changes everything you cannot begin to change the way you handle money or optimize the way you handle money if you do not change your mindset and the reason i like talking about money stories is because money stories serve as a good example of how your mindset directly correlates with the way you handle your coins. Now, for those that may not be familiar with the term money story, don't worry, it's all good. Your money story is essentially your existing relationship with your money. What you're saying about your money, how you feel about it, what you believe about your money and what it can do for you and how you use your money. So peeling back the layers and taking a look at your money story will allow you to analyze the situations, the circumstances that shape how you look at money today. You know, so much of our relationship with money is defined by our upbringing, good or bad. And so then there's a natural flow into our actions, right? What we believe about our money ourselves, our ability to produce wealth will inherently influence our actions. Hence the title of this episode, Your Perception Becomes Your Reality. Now I'm going to uh, put myself out there a little bit, uh, sort of as a teachable moment, if you will. I'm going to tell uh, one aspect or one part of my money story and really how that influenced my spending habits, specifically my mindset around investing, and also the different tools that I use and still have to use to overcome some of the limiting beliefs that came as a result of this tale I'm about to tell you. So get comfy. So the majority of us are familiar with the 2008 financial crash that occurred Um particularly hitting real estate the hardest. Um, if you are not familiar, essentially what ended up happening was the banks were giving out loans to people who could not afford them and the bubble burst. That is the very short abbreviated version of the 2008 crash. But if you wanna do more research, feel free. I'm all about research. So like many of you, I was directly impacted. My family was directly impacted by the crash. So prior to the crash, around the early 2000s, you know, when I was a young war talk, you know, when I was a youngin, um, I want to say my dad started investing in real estate in around 2005 is when he started buying property. Um, he found out about real estate investing from a local investor, ganyan man, you know, cut from the same cloth and was making really good profit. So he then advised my dad to get involved in real estate investing. So my dad brought quite a few properties um, on the city's south side. And because he was making pretty good money at his current job, he was able to get pretty good deals from the bank at the time. Remember, this is the time when Banks were handing out loans like candy. So my father was, right, doing what you're supposed to do, creating multiple streams of income, was investing and being a landlord and then also still keeping his job at the hospital. And then the 2008 crash happened. And surprise, surprise, when the crash happened, you know, we came tumbling down with it and had to... Foreclose on all of the properties that he had at the time. So, before I began doing my own research and I was able to understand the economics behind the 2008 crash, I was fed the story that the original investor that encouraged my dad to get involved in real estate, and for the purposes of this podcast, we'll just call him. Mac, right? So I was fed that Mac was a scammer and that he was not to be trusted and that essentially he left my dad out to dry and he had taken advantage of our family. You know, never mind the fact that Americans lost $9.8 trillion across the US. We're just going to ignore that, right? Like, fam, everybody got hit beat. Like, everyone experienced extreme loss if you were actively investing before the crash happened. But again, before I understood the 2008 crash, I ran with this story. And for the longest, I had some resentment towards Mac because I felt like he had taken advantage of my family. And as a result, I always kind of looked at investing with a side eye. You know, I wanted to have that confirmation bias, right? I wanted to believe and enforce what I had been fed and Confirmation bias, and the definition that I'm going to give is directly from psychology today, is when people would like a certain idea or concept to be true, they end up believing it to be true. They are motivated by wishful thinking. This error leads the individual to stop gathering information when the information gathered so far Confirms the views or prejudices one would like to be true. So essentially we want to believe what we want to believe. So we're only going to accept and take in information that supports what we already believe. We tend to stray away from intellectual humility, right? Admitting that, you know what? That's a lot of hardcore evidence Maybe I was wrong about that thing. Maybe I was wrong about Mac being a scammer, right? You know, maybe everybody got burned by the 2008 crash. And my parents, unfortunately, just happened to be one in that number. Confirmation bias can be a tricky slope because sometimes it can cloud, it doesn't sometimes, It does cloud our vision because we're not looking at the facts and confirmation bias clouds our ability to be able to see anything objectively. And sometimes it inhibits our ability to be held accountable for when we are wrong. You know, with the investing on my dad's part, now looking back, I noticed that my father didn't necessarily view the landlording as a real business. And so I remember we would always have tenants that were awful, god awful. But that's because there were no screening methods for the tenants. My dad wasn't running background checks. And this is not to, you know, rag on my dad or, you know, run him under the bus. But again, this is just being objective and learning and moving forward and being better in the future. Now, this is why someone like a David in the Bible is so revered by God. And this is something my pastor talks about all the time. You know, there are ways that seem right in the eyes of man, but in the eyes of God, they kind of jacked up, right? And David really understood that all throughout the book of Psalms. And I know he didn't write the whole thing, but the Psalms that he did write, when he asked for forgiveness, he did not come with the excuses. He literally would put his palms up and be like, okay, Lord, you know what? I done messed up again. I done did it again, Father. Help me, Jesus. Lord, don't take your precious Holy Spirit from me. I am sorry. And I think that it would benefit us if we could Let go of some of that confirmation bias, taking the facts for what they are, and improve in our lives. And I get it. Accountability is tough. Looking yourself every day in the mirror and not picking yourself apart. Don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm suggesting. But really taking some self-analysis and thinking about how you can improve how you can improve, you know, your mindset and analyze what beliefs am I carrying that are limiting me. It's hard work, y'all. It's hard work. I know. I know. Shoot, I'm still in the thick of it. I'm certainly not out of the woods, but it is definitely a lifelong process and it's worth it in the end, especially when you start seeing some results. And I am still actively working To change the limiting beliefs around this story. Um, So, when I was old enough to start doing that research, and I started really realizing that multiple people got burned, I then wanted to take the initiative to find out well, what happened to some of those people that got burned? And certainly some of them, you know, completely gave up on investing, never made another investment again, but there were other people who got burned, dust their knees off, you know, and picked themselves back up. And I was very curious about how these people were able to pick themselves back up for those that were heavily impacted by the 2008 crash. And I realized that many of these people were able to pick themselves back up because they had the mindset and belief in themselves that they could start all over again. But part of the reason they had that confidence in themselves is because they had systems and they had the work ethic to make it happen. And I don't know if you guys have come across these videos on YouTube with very successful bloggers with millions upon millions of followers and they make videos and they ask of themselves and their audience, what would they do if they started again? Like, hi guys, what would I do today if I were starting with zero followers and how would I grow my following? And those videos um, can be a little cringe sometimes, to be honest, but the point is, is that these videos are helpful because they show that people with systems, in the end, win. Their success is not solely predicated on external factors, but on internal factors. And so that's the important thing that I take away from those individuals, right? The money is within. The ability to produce wealth is already created within you. Trust in your secret sauce, okay? Okay. <laughs> So I began to trust in my own sauce a little more and the perspective shift began to happen with more research, right? I was able to see the situation for what it was and I wasn't so distrustful of investing as a whole and I began to shift my mindset regarding how I looked at money and how I used money. So I'm going to talk about some of the adjustments I've made as a result of this shift. And I mentioned it in quite a few episodes, but becoming very keen about doing proper research became very important for me. Doing thorough research allowed me to take accountability for everything in my life. Because when you don't take accountability, and if you continuously blame other people for where you are in life, well, now you don't have the power to change your life. The ability to move forward and to change your life is now in the hands of someone else. And that can be a really disempowering place to be. And in this place, now, all of the power lies in external forces as opposed to internal forces. Now, unpredictable things happen. We don't have the power to control certain external forces and things and viruses that be, right, as we're learning in this season. But what do I have the ability to change? What can I shift or pivot in my life to make my life more efficient, make my spending habits more profitable and in line with my goals. Now, a second adjustment I had to make is realizing that it wasn't all bad. Now, sometimes when we do get to researching and we learn, you know, the seven habits of highly effective people. And, and, you know, we're doing all the self-development stuff. We can look at our parents and our upbringing with a little bit of a side eye. Now this might not be everybody's, you know, story, but this is something that I have learned to create a more balanced view of my childhood, right? When we're talking about money stories, for many of us, it wasn't all bad, right? For Me, my father was a superb, and hear me when I tell you, superb saver when he worked. I still don't know anyone till this day that saved the way that man saved when he was working. That man knew how to save. And that was a critical tool that I had abandoned that I'm now relearning right? So it wasn't all bad. And because of my dad's savings and also his emphasis on scholarships and grants, I went to undergrad with less than 10K in debt. Yes, I got my undergraduate degree and I have less than 10K in debt. And that's because that man, So it certainly wasn't all bad. And that is a huge, huge privilege. Again, as I continue to expand my horizons, expand my perspectives, I begin to see just how much of a privilege that is. And for some of us, you may be listening and saying, nah, sis, Akua, you don't understand. It really was that bad. My mom put utility bills in my name my mom put credit cards in my name before I was you know even walking and to that I say sis bro I hear you and I feel you but again at the end of the day if we leave it up to our mama our daddy our aunties whoever we feel like did us wrong when we look at our relationship with money will be forever waiting for them to make it right. And again, that's a really disempowering place to be. If anything, if you have a money story where you feel like it was just trash from beginning to age 18, I feel like that should give you even more fuel and more motivation to do better. I feel like it should do the complete opposite. So for me, now when I look at real estate investing, oh, sis. We got beef. No, but seriously, though, I want to prove that it can be done correctly. So the mistakes that may have been made in the past with my family with real estate, I want to be the one to prove that it can be done correctly. So again, the importance of mindset shifts. Now, another important thing that I did that I think really helps me is the language around your coins, right? I saw this quote the other day and I thought this was just so poignant. The quote said, Never feel bad or have a negative attitude about spending money. When we weep and moan about having to pay for food, rent, etc., we send out negative, disempowered energy towards our money. In return, This programs our subconscious mind and results in us attaining less money. Instead, be happy when you spend money and realize you can always make more of it. So instead of saying, I don't have money, right? I will say something like, I have the money, but I choose to spend this money in my retirement account right? The shift in the language around your money is also super important. Now this last tip, I sort of embedded throughout this episode, but the importance of getting different perspectives about the same topic, hearing other people's perspective about the 2008 crash helped me shift my mindset. So getting around other like-minded people or reading different articles about the same topics you're interested in in finance will certainly be beneficial in shaping a more well-rounded holistic perspective for yourself. So you're not just going based off of what you were spoon-fed by someone or one article but you hear other perspectives and now you're able to then use that information and make the best choices for you in your journey. So I hope this episode was helpful. I hope this helped you gain a little more understanding about how your own personal money story affects your current spending habits and the way you view money. You know, what is your money story? I'd be super interested to hear about your money story Were you super loaded? Did your parents have a ton of money? You know, were you always lacking? Your parents always said, you know, I don't have money for that. We don't have money for that. Were you raised with any sort of money principles in your household that help you today? Or was it taboo to talk about finances? And anytime you asked about money, everybody just said, we don't have it right? And I think it's also important too, to extend grace to our parents. You know, many of our parents were children raising children. And so let's extend some of that grace to our parents and our guardians. I'd be really interested to hear your stories. Feel free to email me at demcoins1 at gmail.com. And if you take a critical look at your upbringing and you say, the whole money story, mine was complete Garbage, okay? You know, if it wasn't so great, use that as fuel to then use your money as the asset that it's supposed to be in your life. And if your parents gave you great principles regarding money, use them and please share them. I would like to know, okay? <laughs> Just remember to do your research, look at things from multiple perspectives. And let go of that confirmation bias that holds us bound and doesn't allow us to take true accountability and take back the power that we have in this journey. And that pretty much wraps up today's episode. Thank you for joining me. I hope you got some new insights or maybe you just got some confirmation on a couple of things. Let your girl know. Feel free to email me at demcoins, the number one, at gmail.com. Also, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram by the same name. If you have any good topics, cool new strategies, let me know. And while you're at it, feel free to write an awesome five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends about me, okay? (laughs) I am so excited for all of us on this journey. And until next time, stay encouraged.